is the Music Vibes Podcast, sponsored by Neat 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 Records and Music, located at 1836 South Calhoun Street in downtown Fort Wayne. Neat 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 stocks LPs and CDs across all genres and is an authorized dealer of Ortophone, Audio-Technica, Emotiva, Wharfdale, Project, and more. Please visit NeatNeatNeatRecords.com for more information. It was February 17th, 1969, when The Temptations released their ninth studio album, Cloud Nine. They're just coming off of replacing their lead singer, David Ruffin, who had the hits My Girl, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Beauty's Only Skin Deep, I Wish It Would Rain, amongst many more. Replacing him with Dennis Edwards, who was formerly known in the group The Contours. Kind of a time where music was changing as well. You know, soul was kind of getting a little tougher as the world was getting a little tougher in late 60s. And Cloud Nine was the album that kind of spoke to everyone in America at that time. 1969, February 17th, The Temptations released this fantastic album. Now, obviously, Cloud Nine, the single, was out prior to the release of the album, but very fantastic times. Dennis Edwards is replacing David Ruffin as the lead singer of The Temptations. Soul is changing into Psychedelic Soul, which is a little bit more upbeat thanks to groups like the Sly and the Family Stone and groups like that. Music started changing for Soul, and The Temptations were part of that, and they kind of transitioned into... One of the biggest groups in the world with that album. In the group, The Temptations at this time would be Dennis Edwards as the lead singer. You have Melvin Franklin, obviously with the bass vocals, uh, deep voice. You have Eddie Kendrick still um, with the with the tenor and falsetto vocals. You still have one of my personal favorite and underrated Paul Williams on the tenor and baritone. And then you have Otis, who is the one and only remaining member of The Temptations, who was obviously as well on the tenor and baritone as well. This is The Temptations in 1969 with the album Cloud Nine. Norman Whitfield, who was producing for The Temptations of Motown at this time, Barrett Strong uh, with the big hit Money, 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 Money was on this as well. Um, fantastic stuff put into this album. Fantastic work. And one of my personal favorite albums ever. So why not celebrate that album today? I'm going to be joined by Paul Sexton from You Discover Music. He's out in the UK and he covers music for Universal. And obviously that includes The Temptations. He's going to be joining me all the way from London. He's going to give me a call. And we're going to talk about this album, Cloud Nine and The Temptations. Kind of celebrate this anniversary. As I've as I mentioned on here, I'm a huge Temptations fan. Always have been. Always will be. So this podcast is definitely definitely meaningful for me but obviously i feel like you guys have heard at least the song cloud nine i'm doing fine up here on cloud nine listen one more time i'm doing fine up here on cloud nine Funky Groove went on to win a Grammy and the Temptations' first Grammy. It was exciting times. You know, music was changing and Psychedelic Soul only lasted a few years um, until like the disco era. And, you know, in the mid 70s, Psychedelic Soul lasted from about eh, 68 to about 74 ish. And then disco, you know, started coming coming into the scene. Um, Stevie Wonder um, started kind of changing a little bit. I feel like Superstition was one of the last songs. Papa was a Rolling Stone by the Temptations were kind of, you know, the closure of the psychedelic soul era and then music started to change but this was almost towards the beginning of that with sliding the family stone and then cloud nine 
And before we bring Paul on, um, I actually seen earlier today before I started recording this that Otis Williams, who was obviously the founding member of the Temptations and again, the only remaining alive member, actually did an interview um, with the Recording Academy, who obviously is in control of the Grammy Awards. Otis Williams did an interview and reflected on the Temptations experimental era with Cloud Nine. And he's 77 years old now and he kind of reflects and he just simply said, you know, time flies when you're having fun, says Otis. Williams and he talks about when the Cloud Nine won the Grammy he just said it was a surprise he said he just remembers he said in quotes I went back to Detroit and I asked Norman Whitfield who was our producer at the time if he had heard Sly and the Family Stone and he said no I haven't heard I said well they have a sound I like we should probably try that because we were going from David Ruffin to Dennis Edwards. So we went out of town and came back to Detroit, and Norman had recorded Cloud Nine, and the rest is history. That's how you got Cloud Nine. Otis Williams and more of that interview was up at Grammy.com. Just search that and you'll find it. It's one of the latest articles, so you should be able to find it. But more on that interview between Otis Williams and the Recording Academy. But let's go ahead and celebrate the 50-year anniversary of Cloud Nine. By the Temptations, 50 years since this album has been released. Let's go ahead and welcome Paul Sexton, all the way from London, who is from You Discover Music, and he's joining us right now to help relive and celebrate Cloud Nine. Paul, thanks so much for joining me today. BC, good to talk to you. Absolutely, I'm excited. So let's start off. I came across your article. You know, I was doing some research and trying to prepare for this podcast, and I you wrote an article for You Discover. And you Mm -hmm. talked about Paul Williams and how he is pretty like kind of the unsung hero. Kind of talk about your article that you wrote last year on Paul Williams. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's one of a number of uh, features that we've got on the temps up on the site, uh, DC, as you can imagine. You know, just reflect how important this band, this group has always been. Um, Just to fill people in, you discover music is Universal Records or Universal Music's main, uh, I guess, consumer uh, music website now, and I'm one of the uh, contributors to that and have been for a number of years. Um, and so you, you could say that that site has a, something of a, uh, you know, a, a bias towards universal um, catalog and artists, but not entirely. You know, the good thing about that um, that uh, site is that we, we just write about good music, we hope, you know, and that reflects both um, catalog and what's going on in the present day. And um, Temptations continues to be a very important part of that, of course, you know, with the new album that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is fun to be able to dip back and, and you know, go quite deep into the history of a, of a group like that. And as you say, with that particular article, to talk about, um, I think, one of the most underrated vocalists in all of soul music, you know, and, and even within the ranks of the Temptations, he doesn't, Paul Williams doesn't always get the recognition that he certainly deserves. Um, so that particular feature was uh, was really an attempt to, uh, you know, to sort of redress that a little bit. And then, uh, you know, there's another feature that I've done on the site about the song Cloud Nine, um, when that celebrated its 50th anniversary. And, um, you know, there's such a wealth of material to write about with this group. Yeah, absolutely. And Cloud Nine, obviously, again, is 50 year anniversary we're celebrating here today. And let's let's kind of dig in because there's so much of a backstory, obviously, approaching this album. I mean, they get rid of which was very controversial at the time. You know, I've talked to a lot of writers and journalists from around that time. And, you know, replacing David Ruffin was not easy. Let's travel back a little bit to that time as the Temptations are changing lead singers. 
Yes, that's right. You, you're, you're quite right in saying that it was a very difficult period for the for the group, which could have gone completely wrong. You have to say that because David had really become, uh, you know, having having been joint lead singer with Eddie Kendricks um, in in the original uh, or one of the earlier versions of the group. You know, it's mm. you have to say that he David had become. Um, pretty much de facto lead singer in in the uh, you know the, in the previous couple of years. So um, at the point where uh, he began to become, I, have to, I think we have to say you know unreliable in in terms of um, you know his behaviour in in the group, and and they reached a point where I think they felt that uh, they had to make a change. Um, you know, this was clearly a, a, a crucial decision. Um, and a kind of a staging post for for the for the group and what was going to happen next. So you know, enter Dennis Edwards, who you know was a friend of the of the groups, mm-hmm. had been around them for a long time, um, and a guy with not a dissimilar voice to to David's. Um, I mean, they both both of those voices were on the you know the kind of rougher side, I suppose you'd say, gruffer side. But I think. Mm-hmm. Dennis brought a new kind of, uh, even more of a gritty feel to the to the sound of the Temptations, um, which just turned out to be, uh, you know, by, I'm sure both by luck and judgment, the perfect thing for this new direction that they were going in with their producer Norman Whitfield, yeah. who, the, who they'd worked with for a good couple of years by then, but uh, you know, in in collaboration with his uh, his co-writer Barrett Strong, of course, another man with huge Motown history as the man who had the very first Motown hit in Money. Um, you know, they're coming up with these amazing new songs which take the temps into this new era and kind of really did help to invent the whole sort of sub-genre of, of psychedelic soul. Dennis Edwards, if anybody remembers, was from the group The Contours. Obviously, you guys may remember yes. the hit song, Do You Love Me? Um, that was right. probably their biggest hit. And Dennis Edwards comes in. Much different voice. And I'm glad you mentioned the kind of transition, almost transitioning genres. Um, obviously, David did a little bit of that. I, I guess Ain't Too Proud to Beg was a little bit up-tempo for them. You yeah. know, d- That was David's kind of introduction to that. But I felt like, and you, you, you can disagree with this, but I almost felt like that was another reason you know, behind the transition for lead singers is not only just because of the problems they were having with him you know showing up late or not showing up at all for you know certain dates and rehearsals and things like that and then i think they are also you know kind of ready for this change you know music was changing sly and the family stone i mean we're changing music and the music was changing do you think that may have had a little bit of an indication in that move as well I think it certainly did. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember that this is a group who, by the by the, by the period that we're talking about, who had already been, you know, one of the the pro- most prominent groups in in all of soul music for nearly five years mm-hmm. um, at this point. And uh, I think, you know, I mean, the Temptations have always been based on you know ultimate professionalism and uh, you know very uh, good um, instincts as far as song choices and uh, you know every every other aspect of their craft. But I think uh, you know. It, it it was already an achievement to to have kept you know the, themselves at the top for 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 even that amount of time, um, and every group has to change. Every everybody needs a new mm-hmm. sound or some new impetus um, to to remain fresh. And of course, as you say, that everything was changing in soul music and you know socially at the at the point that we're talking about. You know, America was a pretty angry place at yes. the at the the, uh, the the time that we're discussing, and I think they needed music that that kind of had that extra edge to it much as of course it was quite controversial with a lot of mm-hmm. long-time die-hard temptations fans mm-hmm. 
Yeah, before we before we dive into the songs, just one more, um, you know, kind of thing I wanted to bring up as well. I think another, you know, mission in mind for Motown and um, Shelly Berger, who was their manager and still is, I believe, to this day, um, you know, was trying to they were already big for black America. In, in my opinion, I think at this time when they're making this change, black America, they already ruled, um, you know, with the soul music. And I think with this album, cloud nine, I feel like that kind of transitioned them to the broader audience, you know, uh, let's say white America. I mean, they were doing, they went from doing, you know, the soul review with Motown to doing the Copacabana after this mm-hmm. album. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, they, they are um, one of the great you know attractions of this group is that you know they 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 manage to straddle those two markets so so well. You know, I mean, obviously, you go back to '65 and My Girl, which was a number one, the, the, the first of their singles to be number one, both pop and R and B. And you know, you look down the list of of, of their big records. You know, Main Street Bands of Beg, Beauty's Only Skin Deep. You know, Beauty's Only Skin Deep in particular. You know, a big a big crossover pop hit, as was uh, and I'm Losing You, and you know, there's a whole run of those where they did manage to, um, to to reach both audiences. Didn't happen every time, though. You know, there are plenty of, of Temps uh, singles that were far bigger R&B hits uh, and didn't cross over to the to the pop market. But, uh, you know, again, to go back to this period that we're talking about in this crucial year of 1968, um, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, this was an opportunity for them to to find new fans, and I think probably younger fans too, by toughening up their sound, you know, in, in, in the way that we're talking about, both with the song Cloud Nine and, you know, all of those amazing singles that, uh, that, that followed it for years. You know, we're talking about a kind of a four-year period here that begins with Cloud Nine and goes on right the way through to certainly to about 1972, 73, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about cloud nine the actual song mm-hmm. that obviously begins this fantastic album that we are kind of reviewing today and kind of celebrating as celebrating the 50 year anniversary so let's talk about the song cloud nine where obviously i, I feel like this song addresses all of the issues that not only black america but america were, were facing at this time i feel like that kind of addresses it kind of talks about it almost talks about drugs as well as at least that's what i pictured as this song you know it's talking about how that doesn't fix all of the problems so what what does and I, I know you wrote an article on this let's kind of dig into the actual song cloud nine and what it means Yes, I mean, I think that depends who you ask, you know, and this is quite a funny thing because, uh, you know, from in, in the piece that we, we had that I wrote on You Discovered Music quite recently, um, one of the features of that piece is, is Otis Williams, the last remaining original member of the Temps, you know, still mm-hmm. very active and touring with them to this day and still a hugely important member of the group. Um, Kind of denying that there were that there was any sort of drug reference in in there. You know, he um, uh, there are various versions of, uh, of of this and different quotes that you can find on, online. But he remains adamant that um, you know it wasn't specifically about uh, about drugs. It may have been about uh, you know some sort of altered state in in another way. But I think it was a you know more of a more of a reference in his view anyway to. Um, you know, a, a, a changing attitude, a kind of attitude of um, self-reliance, should we say, or, you know, every man for himself, something like that, you know, in, in, rather than certainly not celebrating drug um, culture. But, you know, it, then you have to say that the, the feel of the song, it, you know, has this kind of new psychedelic sort of flavor to it. Um, and one of the key things about that, I think, you have to re- to uh, to mention another one of those many unsung heroes of uh, of Motown is the is the the wah wah guitar of Dennis Coffey in this track, which 
is so important to the feel of the of the song and just for me you know perfectly reflects and captures the mood of the uh, of the lyric um in conjunction with what i just think is among the most brilliant production um by norman whitfield uh, you know probably of any of his songs there's a kind of um almost deliberately busy um mm-hmm. you know sort of um edgy sound to the to the production of this track and it's uh, you know it it was just a very persuasive whole i think Cloud Nine did end up winning their first Grammy, I believe. That's as right. Well. Do you remember off the top of my head? I can't remember exactly which Grammy they won. What did they win with Cloud Nine? Uh, I think it was best um, R and B vocal performance, if I remember rightly. Nice. Um, yeah, best R and B uh, performance. And it's funny because you know, it's it, it, if you're doing it strictly by the charts, it wasn't. Uh, it actually wasn't one of their number ones. It was number two on the uh, on the R and B uh, chart. Kept off the top. Mm-hmm. And you'll forgive me being a chart anorak as I always am. <laughs> uh, but the record that kept it off number one on the R and B chart, uh, I guess, just very nearly exactly fifty years ago, was "I Heard It Through the Grapevine" by Marvin Gaye. Which is strange in itself because the Cloud Nine album has a version yep. of that very song. Yep, yep. I was just I was just going to say that it beat me to it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this this album obviously, you know, not only as we mentioned, you know, transcended and kind of changed their entire sound, but it also began their time of winning accolades as well. And you know, today winning Grammys is a little bit different. It's topic of conversation for another day, but winning a Grammy today is a lot different than winning a Grammy back then, especially as a black group. Um, it's it's tough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I very much enjoyed your recent uh, show on that subject. Uh, DC, oh, by the way, another one about the Grammys. That was a, a very a really good listen. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, it's uh yeah. Don't get me started on the Grammys today. But. <laughs> yeah, I can tell it's a kind of a hot topic with you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, uh, another song that I really love from here, and we can talk about some of the most un- the other underrated songs that people may mm. overlook or may not have heard. You know, on this album, maybe some people yeah. my age may not have heard, but I really love "Runaway Child." Running wild. Oh, now you feel like the whole world's picking on me. But deep down inside, you know it ain't true. Oh, it's a fantastic record, you know, and of course it became the the, uh, the other big hit single from uh, from this album. Um, and uh, you know, has a, has again. It's another Barrett Strong, Norman Whitfield song. You know, the, one of those partnerships that I don't think is celebrated anywhere near enough. You know, and it, just to dwell on that for one one second. You know, this is a such an extraordinary combination of a guy who you know, a, a Motown producer who's been around the Motown scene for a while. You know, and and working with a number of groups. But then he gets together with this guy who'd been you know their original hit maker and had uh, you know done so well with, uh, with, with Money, which I think was only Motown's seventh single release, if, I'm, if I remember, um, back in 1960. So Barrett Strong has that success, but then doesn't have too much more and goes away. He leaves Motown. Then he comes back in the mid-60s, um, and they start creating this incredible catalog of, of, of hit songs, you know, I mean, for, for all kinds of people. You know, you, you, you think about um, Heard It Through the Grapevine itself. That's another one of theirs, of course. War, which became Edwin Starr's, um, you know, anthem, uh, as originally recorded by The Temptations, but turned into a hit by by um, Edwin Starr, and uh, all kinds of other, you know, really important records in the in the Motown story. So, Runaway Child, Running Wild is is yet another one of those. And, and what I love about that is it, you know, it's The Temptations at their best in that they they all sing lead on it. You know, they're all featured on that track. Uh, you just got to think about 
the, the logistics of making that work in the studio, I think that's another stroke of genius. You know, you've got five voices that could just be crashing into each other and, <laughs> you know, just not working together at all. But he found a way, and the group, you know, their own vocal brilliance was such that they just intertwined so well. And it's another amazing song, reflecting the times. If you listen to the album version, you know, you had the hit single edit, of course, but, you know, one of the, one of the features of Norman Whitfield's production, increasingly with The Temptations, was to produce these really long album versions of tracks. So on the album, that track lasts very nearly 10 minutes and has this amazing section in the middle where you hear a little <laughs> boy's voice saying, I want my mama. And yeah. it's, uh, you know, it did very powerful stuff. Was just playing it actually literally two seconds before you called. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I gave the, uh, the whole album a good, a good listen to uh, again earlier on. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of their best, I think, you know, without a doubt. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, another part that I really enjoyed from here, and I'm sure you'll remember this as well. The song, why did she, have to leave me why did she Mm -hmm. have to go that was where dennis edwards kind of he kind of shocked me a little bit i mean kind of delivering uh i would say a ruffinesque lead on that slow ballad what what did you think of dennis edwards on that one you know he's great on that he's great on everything i think you know the way that he just you know i mean talk about hit the ground running (laughs) you know he just comes in with this huge kind of potential pressure on his shoulders and just seems to shrug it off with a series of uh, of pretty remarkable performances and and as you say that's that's one of them um yet another barrett strong and normal whitfield song i feel like i'm the president (laughs) of their fan club here don't i but (laughs) um it's just you know such a depth of catalog that they had and yeah that's actually i think one of the uh, two or three tracks on the album that has uh, dennis doing pretty much the sole um lead and he um he, he kills it, you know. I just think he 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 proves himself a worthy successor to to Ruffin, who let's not ever underestimate David. You know, one of one of the great R and B um, vocalists. Who, uh, you know, I'm happy to to remember it this way that you know he went on to great success of his own immediately. Um, David Ruffin had a big hit single in the charts actually at the same time as as Cloud Nine. Um, you know, so he he certainly didn't sort of suffer from, not immediately anyway, from uh, from leaving the group. You know, he's in the charts there with "My Whole World Ended the Moment You Left Me," another great Motown single. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. There's so much Motown stuff going on all around the same time here. <laughs> And that's pretty much the one of the main reasons I reached out to you um, to come on this podcast, because I really love the Paul Williams piece. And he has given even two solo numbers on this, which I really enjoyed, because back in the earlier days, he got a few of uh, the Don't Look Back. He got a couple mm. when Ruffin came in. Eddie Kendricks was mostly on lead towards the earlier days. But he gets a couple solo numbers on here as well with Hey Girl yeah. and Don't Let Him Take Your Love From Me. Yeah, I mean, both great. You know, the Hey Girl, obviously, a song that had been around for for a few years by then and uh, yeah. uh, much associated with Freddie Scott and other people. song written by Jerry Goffin and Carol King. And, um, you know, it, it, he interprets it beautifully. You know, he's, a, he's, a, he's got a lovely voice, Paul Williams, and uh, yes. does a really good job on the other the other track on there, which is Don't Let Him Take Your Love From Me. Um, and it, it's a very democratic process, actually. You look at the, the, the division of... Of, um, of responsibilities vocally on this album, and everyone gets a shout. You know, everyone has has a spotlight, and uh, it's it, it, when that works you know, at its best. It was it's just soul perfection. I think we're now fifty years removed from this. Okay, and mm. obviously. Otis Williams, as you mentioned, unfortunately, is the only remaining member uh, from this group. And which is, as you can hear, my voice is kind of hard to still even say. Um, 
you know, it, where, where do you think, you know, this album not only ranks in their catalog, but what do you think fans of The Temptations and maybe fans that are maybe my age, per se, that maybe haven't taken in this album? What are some things you'd want them, you know, to take in from this album? What do you think are some lessons learned and messages from this album, Cloud Nine? If you want to investigate this particular period of the Temptations history, this is where you start because it's um, it, it's at the beginning of this period of um, you know greater sort of social awareness, both in terms of the songwriting and the delivery of the material. Um, it's a whole new chapter in the Temptations story, which goes on for, as I said earlier, it goes on for several years with a whole series of you know very important albums and a whole bunch of, of amazing hit singles and um, it's a reflection of the time that in which it was made I think you know you it, and again you look at the at the charts of, of this period and um, what you see both in the R&B field and on the pop chart is the you know extraordinary domination of Motown as a as a corporation by this time as a, as a force in music uh, it, it, you know just looking at the charts earlier on actually for this period and you look at January 69 so the temps are not only in the top 10 of the pop chart with Cloud9 they're there again with the uh, Supremes on the, you know with the collaboration that they have with oh, yep. uh, with them um, yep. Motown I think has five of the top seven singles in, in America that week <laughs> which you know just think about that sort of an achievement is is really important and then and for a long time to come, the Temptations were such an important, you know, crucial part of that. I think um, this is one of those key albums for anybody to, uh, to, you know, to kind of start their Temps collection. For a second here before we promote what you have coming up personally with some of your work. And this kind of changed, obviously, uh, Whitfield, after winning this Grammy with this album Cloud9, kind of took them even further away from the earlier days with My Girl and onwards towards uh, even singles. Kind of kept this psychedelic sound with songs with uh, their number one hit, I Can't Get Next to You, uh, mm. Psychedelic Shack, Ball of Confusion, That's the Way the World Is Today. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's, it's the starting point. And, and if anything, they only get better from this point onwards. I mean, I, as a soul fan, I think Ball of Confusion it may well be my all-time favorite because it's, you know, the, yes. they absolutely, you know, got it there in terms of the um, the, the, the lyric. the uh, And once again, the, the idea of the, the production matching the spirit of the song so incredibly, you know, it's it, it's a deliberately confused production. It's It's full of so much different stuff that's going on, you know, and it's worth listening to on headphones for, for sure because, you know, there's so much different detail um, happening uh, in this. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, there are so many treats, you know, both in terms of the hit singles, um, which are utterly prolific, you know. I mean, there's so many over such a short period of time. And then they're producing these extremely strong albums as well. And um, just to go back to, to you know, the, the, the reference that we made earlier on, I think you can't underestimate the importance of, of dance to the music in terms of its influence on um, The Temptations. And, uh, and uh, Otis Williams has, uh, has admitted to, to that readily, you know, that uh, that was a record that kind of was beginning to, so it almost started the process of changing the sound of soul music. You know, a little earlier in 68, mm-hmm. a few months before Cloud Nine was a hit, um, at a time when a lot of, soul music was still quite soft both you know the temptations and other artists um you know even major names uh, from the sort of r&b scene of, uh, of of that time were having hits with fairly soft soul mm-hmm. records i guess you'd say um 
Otis Redding's in there, sadly, posthumously, of course, with Dock of the Bay. Um, the Delphonics are doing La La Means I Love You. You know, these are lovely records, but they're, they're, yeah. they're soft and they're, they're a different type of soul music. Along comes Sly <laughs> and the Family Stone and, and just, just shakes it up with, uh, with Dance to the Music. You know, and it's, it's, it's obviously one of the great good time records. And um, I think that, uh, again, in terms of the production and that marriage of, of, of soul and rock, which we haven't really touched on, but it, that's so important. Um, and it's key to the, to the crossover of the, of, the, of the records, of course, because you have a sound that is both, um, you know, uh, it ticks all the soul boxes, but it, it is also appealing to, to the, the new rock fans as well. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously Sly went on to, you know, do Woodstock and things like yep, that. They were hard right. enough, hard enough for even that. Um, but yeah, yep. in terms of the temptations, obviously, I feel like the hard edge psychedelic soul kind of, I would say maybe died off a little bit after Ball of Confusion. And then they went on with Papa was Rolling Stone. And then mm. uh, Just My Imagination, another one of my favorite all time with uh, Eddie Kendricks, obviously, on the yep. lead. And then obviously, you know, you have Eddie Kendricks leaving the group. Uh, you got Paul Williams, unfortunately fortunate death um and then yeah. thing, things changed a little bit for the temptations but that's why we're going back and celebrating a good time happy times with the temptations as they kind of transition into the psychedelic soul era with cloud nine absolutely fantastic stuff paul sexton joining us here so before i let you go though definitely i gotta have you again by the way fantastic stuff loved having <laughs> you absolute pleasure but what's what are some things that you have coming up i know you're very busy um what are some yeah. uh, pieces and articles and you know all kinds of you do all kinds of stuff so what's the <laughs> well, thing you know it changes up? every day dude. I mean, I'm a freelance journalist uh, based in London, and you know that, that means you need to have a pretty wide remit. Thankfully, I do because I love you know most music. There's, there's not many things that I don't like to listen to. I mean, as you, I hope you can tell you know soul and R&B tr- is a huge uh, part of that, and always has been. Um, but then you know, in great contrast to that, I'm a big fan of Americana. I mean, some some of the mainstream country stuff, but certainly a lot of the kind of ex- ever expanding Americana music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a big festival here coming up in a couple of weeks time which is the country to country festival um and i'm always very busy at that i write a lot of stuff for for them and uh, quite often present um events at the uh, at the festival which is you know one of those things that's come along in the last few years and proved that, that country music actually does have a huge audience in the uk which nobody ever knew before um so that's a big thing and then uh, you know with each with each day you know we mentioned the you discover music site there's uh, always new stories going up on there i've just literally before i came on to you just finished one on um, on um kind of celebrating the memory of Florence Ballard, you know, the original oh, and actually yes. founding member of the Supremes, because yeah. this is the uh, the anniversary of her sad passing. So we do a lot of kind of anniversary-related stories on, on the site, and that was one that I, I just took a look at today and thought that was, uh, you know, well worthy of, um, of a piece, because she's another one of those very underrated mm-hmm. soul artists. Um, so there's that. And then on the radio side, I'm a radio journalist as well, so I did a lot of work for the BBC documentaries and uh, and other things and um, there's one or two interesting sort of radio projects on the on the go which is sort of hush hush at the moment but uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's never quiet <laughs> yeah absolutely I, I get that and uh, obviously uh, to kind of reference and kind of tie in together with Florence Ballard who used to be I believe with the the primes and the primettes with, yes, uh, that's right. with Paul and yeah. Eddie correct yes that's it yes yeah, so the primettes of course were, were you know um, were formed after the primes had had their success, you know, there was suddenly a need for a female <laughs> version of the group. Yeah. Um, and that's where Florence came in. And then she invited her, fr- her friend, Mary Wilson. Uh, yep. They'd made a kind of a pact that, because um, they'd met on a talent show 
some years before that, and uh, they both said, you know, if either of us ever gets the chance to join a group, then the other one's going to come asking, you know, for you, uh, <laughs> invite you to join, and that's exactly what Florence did with Mary, and then Mary, uh, by that stage, had met a new girl in, uh, on the block called Diane, and that's Diane Ross, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, yeah. They they joined that group, and then it's, uh, it eventually transitions into the Supremes, who, of course, were a four-piece to start with. A lot of people don't remember that. Yeah. And, um, and they're one of the originals left, and they carry on as a three-piece. For, for a while, they are the no-hit Supremes. Yep. <laughs> and then suddenly it all went crazy, of course. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, very, very early days. Pre, Pre-Temptations and pre-Supremes. Very early days. Yeah. You learn a lot. Yeah, of that's right. Learn a lot of this. Some of this early Motown history, you know, I was talking about Barrett Strong earlier on. I love it because it's the formative stuff, and it's not, uh, you know, the same as the later period where um, everyone knows Motown and people are buying the records simply because they're on Motown. You know, this is the early point before the company has really proved itself. And, um, you know, it was a struggle in those early days, you know, and a lot of the records didn't didn't get a full national release. as I say, Barrett Strong came along and had that first success, but then, uh, you know, it was it was always a struggle for momentum early on, and uh, Barrett, who is still with us, actually, and it's one of those people I would love to interview. I don't know whether you can get him on your show, but it's, <laughs> you know, I, he's, I guess he had a birthday quite recently. I think he's 78 years old now. 78. Um, but he, you know, he was right there at the beginning. He recorded Money when he was still in school, I think. Yep. Uh, so uh, he's there, and of course, Money being a Berry Gordy song, Yep. Okay, right. Um, all this history is fascinating stuff. Absolutely love it. Absolutely fantastic stuff. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely going to have to do no, this. No, I'd love to. Be, you know, anytime. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I'll be sure to keep up, keep track with your work. I got you on Twitter now, so I will keep track Absolutely. with your work, okay? Thanks so much we'll for joining. We'll be in touch, for, for sure. And a little surprise. I say this all the way to the end because I wanted you to listen all the way to the end to hear this surprise. So I have actually spoken with... Some of the sons of the original members of The Temptations. And one of those is Melvin Franklin Jr. Man, apparently him, David Ruffin Jr., Paul Williams Jr., they have a music group and they are working on music right now. And I spoke with Melvin Jr. and they may be a guest on this podcast in the future. He said it's a little early and a little premature to come on and talk now, but they have a group and they have some music coming out. So stay tuned. They're going to be a guest on here. So you got to keep only way to keep up is by subscribing, rating and reviewing. I, I'm pretty excited by that. I think it's awesome. And they, they posted like a group photo together and they said, got some big choose to fill is what they said in quotes um and that pretty much tells you the story they got a group they're making music and they have some big shoes to fill obviously uh temptation is one of the biggest groups in history of music um but i'm very excited and i think that's going to be a fun podcast as well but had to save that for the end a nice little surprise for you for those that stuck around and listened to this whole podcast be sure to keep up with the Music Vibes podcast with DC Hendrix presented by Neat 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 Records by subscribing on everywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Radio Public, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing and make sure to leave us a review and let me know what you guys are thinking of the Music Vibes podcast. That'll do it for this week. And until next week, everybody, be sure to spread some peace and love. Podcast by Federated Media. Podcast by Federated Media.